Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I'm Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight. As we are talking to Starcom Racing's team manager, Derek Cope, tonight about Starcom Racing's 2021 season and their outlook here tonight on Talking in Circles. Uh, Derek, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I appreciate it. Uh, let's get the first things first. Let's look back quick on 2020. Um, last year, you were a solo car operation. You finished 35th in the owner points. Um, a team in their second year with a rookie drive with a driver who's running his first full season uh, without a lot of practice because of COVID-19. What did you think of your year last year in 2020? I certainly feel like that it was a learning experience for everyone involved. You know, obviously, the young man. Uh, you know, had been to places that he'd never seen before. And so he was really a true raw rookie. And I thought he did a very nice job, uh, you know, with, you know, very limited practice. And uh, I mean, with hardly any practice at all. And, um, you know, early in the season and then none from there and just have to really, you know, go to the races themselves uh, and, uh, you know, kind of learn on the fly. So uh, it was really a daunting task for him, but, he really uh, worked really hard uh, on his simulator that he has. And, you know, fortunately he has a good simulator and uh, he was able to really work really diligently with that. And then a lot of prep work uh, with us as well, talking about, you know, what to expect. And, uh, you know, we just had to, you know, keep, uh, you know, fighting the good fight each week and working up to things, uh, you know, throughout the race. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, the light came on, you know, pretty, pretty brightly uh, towards the latter stages of the year. And looking ahead to 2021, obviously Half made some progression here um, in 2020. What do you expect from him in in 2021? Well, I I look to, uh, you know, see a continuation of his progress. Certainly, uh, you know, he started the year with, you know, no super speedway experiences really to to draw from, you know, and uh, I feel like that he's he's come a long ways and, you know, in a relatively short period of time when – when you put in, you know, perspective, uh, how many laps he really has without having any type of, uh, you know, practice. So, you know, I would hope that uh, we could come out of Daytona and, uh, you know, and have a good solid effort to really work on trying to stay out of trouble and, and get a finish out of it and log a lot of laps. Uh, I feel like we're, you know, taking some really nice race cars uh, to Daytona and then beyond. Uh, so, you know, I guess from what I saw late in the year, I think we kind of really did a lot of tests, uh, you know, to try to get a real feel for uh, maybe a barometer for where we would be starting the year out. So we tried a lot of things from like Kansas, Texas, Phoenix. Uh, and, uh, you know, we really, um, you know, I think we learned a lot there. And I think that he showed that, um, you know, he could carry a lot of speed. Uh, we were running wide open there at Texas uh, in the ladder uh, from halfway on. And, and so I think if he can just emulate those things uh, at, right at the beginning of the year, I think that we'll see some great, you know, productivity and hopefully get off to a really nice uh, start. Uh, Derek, this is Philip here. Um, thanks for coming on uh, the show mm-hmm. tonight. Um, uh, in terms of 2021, of course, with Quinn uh, taking a, a step forward, obviously. Uh, is there any other changes? Is there anything that we should know about that will be changing for 2021 in regards to the double zero team? Are you looking at possibly a limited 
racing with a second car at some races. I know there's been some changes recently with uh, the charters and the non-chartered cars, so maybe that may not be as much of a, a good business decision. But will um, there be any changes coming in for your organization in 2021? Right now, uh, you know, we have no plans for our organization to run a second car, you know, out of our facility. Uh, you know, we're going to really concentrate on, uh, you know, just – within our stay within ourselves and uh and continue to you know put um you know good solid race cars on the racetrack each week for Quinn I think that you know it showed this this year that you know we really didn't have a lot of failures uh he really didn't make a great deal of mistakes as far as wrecking cars you know obviously a, a few things you know that he took some heat for but uh for the most part uh, he had a pretty tidy year and I think that you know when you can take a small organization like ours and uh, show up, you know, under the circumstances that we have, uh, be that productive and have not, not a lot of failures. Um, it says a lot about, you know, the infrastructure we have implemented at Starcom. So, you know, I feel good about all those things. We we have added some things. Uh, we've, we've added a full-time, uh, you know, shock specialist uh, to come on board, which I feel like uh, he's come from a very reputable situation, uh, has a lot of, uh, you know, things to bring to the situation uh uh, obviously, you know, that's been my expertise as well, but it uh, kind of allows me to concentrate on uh, the progression of the team looking towards next gen. And, and that's kind of my reason for having that addition to us. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're, we're coming along really nicely. Uh, and I think that's the thing I'm excited about is that, you know, we're actually putting on, on some new, uh, you know, uh, a number of new bodies, uh, you know, which would be a, uh, an escalation from where we had last year. And, you know, we'll take, you know, two top, you know, uh, new 2020 uh, body styles for Daytona and, uh, you know, on into the first part of the year. So, you know, we're really, uh, we started working on our Speedway stuff October 1st, which is really a novelty and, uh, you know, and really put us way ahead and really to be able to start really nitpicking. So our our Daytona stuff is coming along really well. One's about done. Uh, we're, you know, the other one is like very close to going, you know, to putting the engine in it and getting going with that. So for a small team, uh, we're we're moving along nicely. Hey, Derek, this is Spencer. Once again, thanks for coming on. Um, coming into the, this year, are you guys working with any big teams as far as getting a little bit of engine stuff? Are you guys uh, getting in any information from um, any of the big teams in NASCAR? Are you guys just kind of doing your own thing? And um, so how how is all that working? Well, the tough part about being a, a small team, you know, is is to be able to have an affiliation or what they call alliances with bigger teams. You know, it really costs um, a great deal of money. And we really aren't in a position really to do those things at this juncture with all the things that we're trying to, to do to escalate the, the hardware side of things. So, uh, you know, we kind of stay within ourselves. We're more grassroots. We don't have simulation. Uh, you know, we really don't, we have a pull down, we have a, our own pull down rig. So we really can work on platform and those types of things. We hang our own bodies. Uh, you know, we can do repair work internally, everything. We only thing we really can't do is, uh, is basically do a uh, paint and body work. We outsource that, but you know, we have ferro arms, so we're able to really do a lot of things to maximize all the areas. So for a small team, we can do those things. Um, we just don't have simulation, you know, um, you don't have the means to do that. No CFD modeling, you know, uh, no wind tunnel uh, time or anything like that. So um, 
I did buy all these cars from JTG, which obviously we parasited a great deal of knowledge, uh, you know, and they were very instrumental and helpful when we, we did that in the infancy of uh, this year. So I felt like we gained a lot of things there and were, you know, privy to some things that, um, you know, I think helped us move along. You know, I think as we move forward to next gen, the cars will be all the same. So, you know, my hope then would be to be in a position to create some type of a technical, you know, assistance program or alliance uh, and then, you know, acquire some simulation because, you know, it'll be relevant and every, all the parts and pieces will already have been, you know, digitized and into their system. So it would probably be a lot more effective for us. And I think we could actually utilize our engineer, utilize our shock specialist uh, who has a lot of KNC rig and uh, seven post rig uh, work and stuff. So we'll be able to utilize our people on, in a better way once we get that kind of uh, maybe assistance program. So that's what we're looking at. We've been, you know, obviously uh, kind of, you know, initiating some dialogue back and forth to try to come up with some things like that. So and on, on the chassis side, that's one thing we'd be looking for for, you know, later stages of next year. The engine side, we have a very good working relationship with ECR. So, uh, you know, we feel like, the you know, our engine program is, is pretty good. Um, we seem to be, you know, we've had hardly any failures at all with anything there. And uh, that business model seems to work for us. So we'll continue uh, in that uh, in that way. Uh, George Church was a listed crew chief last year. Derek, will he be back? Uh, yes. Uh, I, George is uh, an instrumental uh, uh, guy for us. Uh, you know, George has, uh, you know, uh, got a wealth of uh, experience from the chassis side. Uh, he understands geometry, understands how the race cars work, uh, but he's so well-rounded. Uh, you know, he really, I mean, he can build cars, he can build drag links, he can weld, he can you know, do exhaust. I mean, he, he just does everything. He's so multifaceted and he really is a real, uh, you know, real motivator. And the one thing I like about him, you know, he just, he's very calm. He's very, uh, you know, quiet. Um, but he really knows how to get the most out of people. And, uh, you know, he's been really good with Quinn and I think uh, he's been a real good cheerleader for Quinn. Uh, they have a good relationship. I think there's a lot of trust there and I think you have to have that. And, you know, if, uh, if you can get those two guys on the same page, uh, you know, it's always an, uh, a good situation. And I think, you know, Quinn's obviously, you know, it's been tough on him, you know, uh, you know, obviously with no time in the cars and to speak of, you know, um, he has a very steep learning curve and he's had to really, you know, work very hard. So, uh, you know, I think George is the guy that really uh, does a great job, uh, you know, working with him. Uh, keeping him, you know, focused and uh, also keeping him, you know, very engaged. So George will continue to be uh, our crew chief, uh, and I'm looking forward to working with him uh, for next year. Um, in terms of sponsorship, of course, Starcom owner and they're uh, you're on the they're on the car. Uh, there's been some other sponsors that have been on with you guys, with whether you were driving or Landon was driving, and now with Quinn. Um, is there any new sponsors coming along or are you, are you going to be uh, continuing with some of the partners that you've acquired over the past few years? The most difficult part uh, when you're a new team is obviously uh, getting a pipeline of, of entities uh, that you can create relationships with. And uh, that's always, uh, it's time consuming. Uh, so we're very fortunate that a lot of the companies 
that we've, you know, created some relationships with, uh, you know, some from the past that I've had, be, be, you know, in the years uh, preceding and some, you know, some new entities as well. But uh, in very difficult climate, uh, they've been very, um, you know, understanding and, and very, you know, uh, engaged in what we're doing uh, and continue to. I mean, obviously, Mane Tail Shampoo uh, has been there, you know, Creek Industries, uh, you know, we've had Good Creek Movers. Um, you, you go right on down the line of all the, the people that have participated. A lot of charity uh, organizations have, have come on board. So, uh, you know, uh, units, uh, portable storage has been involved. You know, so the majority of these people, um, you know, obviously, you know, without hospitality, that's one thing that our company, that's how we really, I think, create, you know, value and um, added value and uh, is work really hard outside the car for them from a social media standpoint and then hospitality and, uh, you know, personal experiences. So when you can't have fans and you can't uh, bring uh, clients or do uh, client entertain- entertainment, um, it's difficult to uh, create, you know, lead generation opportunities or things like that because, uh, you know, you can't you can't uh, bring the people. So it has compromised us. Um, but, you know, I, I have to give it our credit to our marketing group. Um, they've worked really hard with newsletters and social media and thinking outside the box, creating a lot of added value and excitement and trying to drive, you know, um, traffic to, you know, their websites and, uh, you know, promotions and, and uh, charities and things. So. Um, you know, uh, I feel really good about what we've done. It's just a matter of keeping those guys to come back with us. Uh, obviously, we're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see, you know, what the temperament is and the barometer for uh, starting off at Daytona in the first of the year. So, um, you know, it'll be a wait-and-see approach, and we'll have to respond and, and be very nimble and be able to respond quickly when uh, the time comes uh, in late January. Yeah, being a uh, solo car operation and you guys are currently in the growing process, And um, what are your expectations for 2021? At the end of the season, what would you call a good season and um, what would you be happy with? Well, I think um, it, you have to look at, you know, a couple of things and, and have realistic expectations. And, you know, from where we're at from a budgetary standpoint and where we're at from um, – the amount of sea time that, that Quinn has, um, you have to just kind of take, kind of look at where we're at right now, what we've done. And, you know, we're going to be, you know, kind of the same race team when we show up at Daytona, except I think we'll um, be able to draw from our experiences at the races he's gone before. And he'll, um, I think he'll fire off quicker at all the places, you know? So, I mean, our uh, key for us is to, you know, I, I would say is to be out of the bottom three of charters, um, it would be, um, you know, first and foremost, what our, um, you know, our goal would be, and then to run consistently closer to, uh, you know, uh, the top 28 groups of cars. And, and if you if you look at it, we have to be within, you know, of our competition, we need to strive to be within like four tenths to six tenths of a second off, you know, overall uh, on an overall run. If we can do that, I'll feel like we've made some inroads and that uh, we're being a lot more productive uh, over the course. And that would, I think, pretty much, you know, show in our in our finishes we should be between 28th and and 32nd uh, consistently. And uh, and if we can do that, then uh, I feel like that um, it'll be a, a very positive uh, 2021 and lead us on to, uh, you know, uh, 2022. You mentioned the bottom three of the charters there. A couple questions about that. One, 
can you just explain for the fans who are kind of unsure about exactly what you meant by that? I understand there, at least there was, I'm not sure if there still is, a rule where if you finish in the bottom three over a certain period of time, you could be in danger of losing that charter. And uh, a follow-up question, or even you can answer it before that, are you guys, do you guys own actually own your own charter, or are you leasing it from someone, or does someone else have a part of it? If you could just dive into that for us, uh, that'd be great too. We own our charter uh, outright, so we are, um, you know, our our charter is not leased. Um, we don't have any partners. Uh, we are basically, you know, Mike and Matt Kohler and Bill Wolleman uh, are the three individuals that you know make up Starcom, and. Uh, relatively young guys, um, you know, very motivated, very, uh, you know, great guys to work with. Uh, uh, they own everything outright. Everything, we are we are a solvent entity. Everything's paid for. Uh, we owe nothing. And, um, you know, we but we run the, we run the team within its means. And, um, you know, it's, it's a business, and that's how we have to operate. Um, but, you know, uh, the charter scenario, you know, if you look at the bylaws or, you know, the, the things that make up the charter agreements, you know, there is a clause that, you know, basically, you know, is more about performance based. And it's like, you know, that if there, you know, there is some things that says if you're in the bottom three, three years in a row, then you have, you know, open yourself up to an opportunity for NASCAR to, you know, to look at the situation and, and, you know, ask questions and maybe, you know, make some, some type of move. They've never done anything like that through all the years of the charters. And there's been some people that have continued to do those things over the years. So I don't foresee that being anything that happens because if you really look at the teams, they're all putting out really great efforts, quality race cars show up the racetrack every week. And you just have to understand that there always is throughout the years, uh, you know, in the 40 years I've been racing, there's a lot of disparity in the haves and the have nots. And that's just, and you know, the, the, the race car drivers, the amount of talent they have, the amount of experience they have, um, there's just a lot of disparity in that. So, you know, you just have to look at where you, where you stack up in that particular situation. And when you're a new team and you're starting to grow your business, you, you know, you have a certain business model and you try to uh, work within those means and uh, try to get better uh, exponentially. Uh, and that's what we we continue to do. I feel like we're making inroads in every department right now, and uh, certainly uh, I feel like the future will be bright, and we're looking forward to the next-gen car, which puts us on more of an even uh, level playing field, and uh, and then we'll we'll make, you know, I think I think a lot of more, uh, you know, conscious decisions hardware-wise uh, from there. I guess that leads right in. You, you talked about the new car. I think does this new car and the fact that it's kind of a kit-based thing that everybody else is uh, receiving and then you're putting it together, does that fit in terms of your you and the organization's long-term goals and that in some in, in terms of being able to reallocate? You mentioned it earlier. Where um, where would with will this new car help you be able to? reallocate the resources that you do have within your business model and where will it be, I guess, for a small one car organization, how will that help you relative to, you know, the, the Gibbs, the Hendricks, the Stuart Haas's and the Penske's? Well, certainly there's a lot of things that, you know, no one's really privy to, you know, besides the, the owners and the team owners and things about, you know, 
the caps and the things that they're trying to implement to bring some of the pricing in line, you know, or the funding in line, you know, to operate uh, one of these teams. And, you know, when you look at the disparity in, in organizations, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Hendricks, you know, five, 600 people strong, you know, and Gibbs and, you know, and, and RCR and, uh, you know, all on down the line, Roush and, and Haas, you know, they can vary from, you know, four, five, 300 people organizations on down to, you know, teams that have, like ours, you know, we probably have the people that actually work on the cars, you know, probably some around 16 people. So, you know, that creates disparity. Um, and when you look at, you know, how you try to get better as an organization, you know, it's like research and development comes into play and basically you start running pieces by. So, you know, you basically, you know, you try something and you discard it if it doesn't work, you know, and so that costs money. I think when, next gen comes, it certainly, you know, as you alluded to, I think puts us in a position where, you know, obviously the initial costs are relatively high, uh, but all the parts and pieces are the same. So then you can allocate your, your money to maybe the possibility of uh, an alliance or an assistance program and uh, something that you can benefit from the technical side and the engineering side. Uh, and then, you know, maybe, you know, collaborate, you know, in wind tunnels and testing and things like that, at the CFD modeling, all those things that are going to help uh, when they start to work on, you know, that new car uh, more infinitely. So, you know, uh, that's what I'm hopeful of. Um, certainly, you know, it'll be a different car to drive. I think you're already seeing that. Um, you know, a lot of the drivers that have driven it, you know, I mean, uh, they've immediately had problems. They've been in the fence. Uh, the steering seems to be the situation they're not uh, used to. There's no side force to lean on. It's it's a very, you know, straight-up symmetrical-type car. So it's going to put it back in the driver's hands. It'll be hard to drive, and um, you know, uh, but the speeds are relatively up so far. So, you know, a lot of positives, and always there's, you know, like that, there's always negatives as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I look forward to that. I think, it you know, initially at least, you know, it'll give us a, a place to be, I think, more competitive initially. Uh, obviously, cream rises to the top. The more things you can throw at it, the more money you can spend obviously the little things become, you know, bigger in a, in a situation like that. So we'll have to wait and see, but certainly I, uh, you know, I'm, I am looking forward to it. And I think it is a good uh, move from a business model standpoint for an organization like ours. And Derek, we appreciate you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, and you're listening to Talking in Circles with Clayton Caldwell and Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. Uh, we're talking to 1990 Daytona 500 champion Derek Kopis, the team manager of Starcom Racing, number double zero team in the NASCAR cup series. Uh, one more, and it's kind of an awkward question. I, I hate to put you on the spot here about it, but I don't know if you're aware, but there's been a little bit of, of rumors floating around on Twitter about a former Daytona 500 champion running in the 2021 Daytona 500. Naturally, because of your connection with this race team and, and the fact that you've run rather recently in the cup series and, and in NASCAR in general, your name has been tied to that. Uh, do you want to dispel those rumors tonight? Are you going to race uh, and, and what about your racing future as far as a driver is concerned? Uh, are you done with that aspect of racing? What can you tell us about that? You know, uh, honestly, I mean, I never ever, you know, say I've retired or anything like that. I try to leave things open. I, I really don't worry about what other people think or say. And, you know, if an opportunity showed up, then I would certainly have interest in doing something but on a limited basis, right? But my main focus really is is just is running Starcom and 
putting a quality effort there and, uh, and, you know, moving the organization forward, you know? So, um, like I alluded to earlier, you know, we're, we are not going to run a car, a second car out of, uh, out of Starcom. So, you know, um, that's just not, it's not in the cards, uh, for us. And, uh, we're just, we're way too small to, uh, to take on another, you know, effort like that at this point in time. But, um, you know, I would love to test the the next gen car. I'd like to do some testing there. I'd like to uh, have a you know a, a part in that. Um, I've always enjoyed testing. I feel like I have a good feel for uh, cars uh, and you know the development side of those things. I've driven about every car that's come up through the ranks from the early days till with you know very little side force and down force in the cars and you no know, air dams and things like that. Uh, radial tires, bias plate tires. So I feel like I'd have a good a good feel to bring some uh, things to, you know, to the next gen car. So, you know, I'd look to get back in the car and do some testing there, you know, but uh, beyond that right now, I mean, you know, uh, right now we're just trying to get cars together and uh, there's a lot going on, you know, right now it's a lot of speculation about everything. So, uh, but you know what, you just have to wait and see. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm not opposed to doing anything really. Well, Derek, again, I appreciate it. Uh, every time we ask you to come on, you're more than willing to it to do it and uh you're you're certainly a great guest and, and you're very very kind so we appreciate you coming on and giving us a few minutes tonight to talk about starcom's 2021 season good luck yeah, absolutely i appreciate the opportunity to be on thanks so much that was Derek cope the team manager at starcom racing uh certainly gave us some great information about the charter situation guys which um you know a lot of people there's been speculation about that obviously somebody who's so close to the ownership role we don't really get to talk to a lot and somebody who has a charter uh, Starcom obviously is a very new race team. Um, they've only been in this sport, you know, they ran a f- full-time year uh, in 2018 with Landon Castle, as Philip mentioned earlier. 2019 they ran last year with Quinn Half, and then this year they're going to come back with Quinn Half. George Church is going to return as crew chief, uh, and it was cool to get some kind of insight on the charter situation because there were, were rumors about that bottom three tier Um and he certainly mentioned that, so I wanted to kind of ask about that as well. So uh, it was certainly an interesting talk to kind of dive into a little bit of ownership, um, you know, format about what what an owner and what a team, a manager or a general manager of a team, what they go through um, on, a, on a yearly basis. He sounds very busy, and, and they're ready to go for 2021. So they're going to get ready to go here for 2021. So good luck to them and to everybody who's part of that uh, Starcom racing team here um, in the 2021 season. Uh, some news breaking again. This is the second show in a row we've had a guest on and news have broke. This one broke, uh, I'd say, about five or ten minutes before we came on air tonight. I want to get you guys' opinion on it. Um, you know, we knew about Brett Moffitt and the Truck Series deal, uh, him going to – excuse me, the Xfinity Series deal, him running full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series for our motorsports but it looks like tonight, and it doesn't look like it's true, it was announced tonight that Brett Moffitt will run for the championship in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series in 2021. He'll drive the number 45 car for Nice Motor, or 45 truck, I should say, for Nice Motorsports. Not sure yet on who's going to be the crew chief, who's turning the wrenches there. I'm not sure on any partners with that uh, race team yet. But, Spencer, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on that? I mean, it was kind of a surprise. I think everybody sort of expected Moffitt to go out and run uh, full-time in Xfinity and run for the championship in Xfinity. Uh, obviously, we don't know a whole lot about it. Just your initial thoughts on the situation with Moffitt, though. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this in the past in somewhat a little bit of a different situation. You know, one that comes to mind 
is Ross when he did it, and he was running for JD Motorsports, but he was already running the trucks, and you could tell they were having a really good year and that they could do something with it, and that's when they decided to switch. Um, but this is different. You know, he had signed up to run with Auer, as you mentioned, the O2 car. Um, a newer team, but they seem to have good speed. You know, they finish right there around 12th, sometimes, you know, lower top 10. Um, it's not a bad team, but we were talking about it off air. You mentioned it that, you know, more teams are starting to come in and wanting to run full time. It was just announced yesterday or the day before. I can't remember that AJ will run full time with Colleague. And let's face it, our can't outbeat the 16 car of Colleague and AJ. Um, they're too good. Um, so you got all these teams that want to run full-time in Xfinity, and maybe they're deciding, well, they're kind of sitting there looking at the books, well, this team can beat us, that team can beat us, and they're just right there on the edge and not making the playoffs. Um, so maybe they they got together with Moffitt and said, hey, um, you know, we're sitting here looking at this, yeah, we're going to run full-time, but the point situation of running for a championship might not be there. Um, so they probably got – you know, the talking and a deal came up with Nice. Um, and in this situation, it almost feel, it would almost have to be that Moffitt reached out to Nice Motorsports because as far as Nice knew, he was signed up and ready to go 2020 Xfinity, 2021 Xfinity racing with our, um, so it'd be kind of weird for a truck team to be like, Hey, we know you're signed up, you're ready to go, but we want you to drive our trucks. So, you know, Brett Moffitt could have reached out and say, Hey, um, I'd love the opportunity. Who knows? So, but as far as what he did, I don't know um, if it's a good choice. Um, you know, Nice has not really been there since 2019 when Ross was in it, and that's when they had that truck as full-time and a part-time. Um, we all three agree we think they stretch yourself too thin. Um, they've been wrecking a lot of stuff lately, and that's not cheap. So um, if they do this, you know, they already got guys signed up for next year, so um, it's interesting to see. I think the smart choice would have been with our, I think they could have made the playoffs. I think Brett Moffitt's a good enough driver to get him in the playoffs now that they expanded it. But, you know, if they're not comfortable with it, then, you know, they probably told Moffitt, go win yourself a championship somewhere else. So, um, so yeah, we'll just have to see. Well, I certainly was surprised. I thought maybe part of the deal and part of the, uh, why they wanted to sign Moffitt up to that con to that deal not only that he's an extremely talented race car driver, but that they thought they could compete for a championship. But I was just doing quick math. I might be off by a car or two. Um, but as far as right now, and, and this is just things that people that are announced, this isn't anything um, that, you know, there, there's probably going to be more drivers announced here. We still don't know what JD Motorsports is fully doing yet. Uh, on, on the series side of things. And certainly last year they didn't compete for a playoff spot, but they have in the past. And maybe if, if things are all right, they could certainly – um, compete for a playoff spot. We don't know what Richard Childress Racing is doing yet either. We're not sure yet on the DGM team. We know uh, Josh Williams is going to be back. We're not sure about Alex LeBay. We know Ryan Siegel will be back running full-time. But there's like 15 guys who I think can, at least right now, that can compete for the championship in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and that's just scratching the surface. Again, there's still a lot to be determined and announced uh, in the Xfinity Series. So, I think that might have something to do with it. He said Chevrolet, He said on the announcement, I was watching a little bit of it. Again, I was trying to get prepared for the show, so I didn't get a ton of it. But he basically said that Chris Al from Al Motorsports and Chevrolet put this together with Nice Motorsports. Maybe Nice was out looking for a full-time driver. Things might have changed. You know, we, we know there's an opening in the Cup Series right now in a 38. Maybe the driver who's going to run uh, for Nice Motorsports full-time 
uh, all, in the 45 all of a sudden said, you know what, I'm going to go to Cup and try and see if I can run in the 38 car. Who knows? You know, uh, there's a lot of things going on. But what were your thoughts, I mean, uh, Philip, on, on the Moffitt deal? And, and then of, we'll, we'll talk about um, A.G. Allmendinger in a little bit and what the future that, of that could look like. But what were your thoughts on, um, on Brett Moffitt going to uh, trucks full-time? Yeah, it's we. I mean, Spencer talked about it, and you know, Nice took a step back without the GMS support um, this past year. Uh, Ty Majeski is well renowned as a late model, a super late model driver, struggled for most of the year. He might have pushed the issue uh, a bit at times. Uh, the Phil Gould and and uh, whatever uh, deal with Majeski didn't coordinate the same way as when Ross was driving. Ross was literally the only guy that would get in that one of their trucks and run decent. Uh, so maybe Brett Moffitt with Chevy, extra Chevy support, uh, maybe they're going to be able to at least compete. I don't think Brett Moffitt is out there at this point to go and drive in tailback. I think he, wants to compete for wins and he believes with whatever they have going on at Nice, obviously they also uh, signed uh, Ryan Truex. So as it stands right now, they're going to have two full-time trucks next year. Um, and then who knows what they're going to run after that, um, you know, in terms of maybe running a third or fourth vehicle at times, uh, you know, you look at the truck series, even with the, the budgeting and the way things are. Some teams are expanding. Nice, I don't think, has ran two full-time, like legitimate two full-time trucks uh, yet. I think they've run one, and then they've had other trucks that have shown up every week with different drivers. So that'll be new for them, and considering what GMS did last year, and you don't know what Toyota is going to do with Kyle Busch, Motorsports, and elsewhere, and then Ford. You know, it looks like DGR Crosby we talked about a couple of days ago with where their expansion might be going. But, um, I mean, for Moffitt, I think he's hedging. I think he's also looking at his future and possibly trying to get back into the Cup Series. And if he can do that, it looks like he believes Chevrolet is his, his avenue to do it. And uh, they believe that, too, because they're willing to keep him in the fold and, and – uh, given that opportunity at the 45 truck. Um, granted, we don't know who his crew chief is or what else is going to be there, but hey, I mean, I think he's out there to win championships. He's not out there to go and just run 15th every week. There's no question about that. I mean, um, he's got to feel confident in it. Again, I think Chevrolet wants to have a big presence in the truck series, and I think they believe in Moffitt. I, wouldn't, I was kind of surprised. I guess Rick maybe felt like he had a, a situation that he couldn't pass up with uh Kyle Larson but I wouldn't be surprised if you see Larson or excuse me if you see Moffitt um fill in one of those Chevrolet rides here in the next couple of years because they seem pretty committed I felt like that was the reason why they moved on from Johnny Sauter and brought in Brett Moffitt a couple of years ago at GMS Racing was because they wanted to have that presence so we'll see we'll see uh what that means but it certainly I think had you know a lot like John Hanemichek it certainly had the future I think um in mind when he made that deal Okay, guys, I want to talk about the other silly season news that came out this week. Let's give our opinions on it before we wrap up tonight's show. And that was A.J. Almendinger. We'll start with Philip first. Um, 
AJ, a former cup driver, I think a lot of people, myself included, thought, well, AJ, he likes running part-time. He's got, you know, that that IMSA gig or or the road racing gig that he does uh, as far as the broadcasting is concerned. Okay, he's not going to run Xfinity full-time. That's fine. He's just going to have to do the races that he's going to have fun in. But then all of a sudden it was announced quickly, bam. It felt like it was quick. You know, Friday he announces, oh, we're going to announce our races at a later date. And then it was announced Monday or Tuesday he's going to run full-time. So it seemed like it really uh, picked up a lot of steam here in the last couple of days. But what were your thoughts on A.J. Allmendinger going full-time for Colic Racing uh, in the NASCAR Xfinity Series? I kind of felt, Clayton, that he was going to get that 10 car once, uh, you know, nothing had came out. Um, he's been running for Matt Colic for these last couple of years, and they have a great relationship, Matt and, you know, Chris Rice and A.J. Omni. They all seem to – it seems to be a very good combination. And he has the best of both worlds. He's like, oh, semi-retirement and – um, he's been able to spend time with his smoking hot wife and, and then also run some sports cars for Michael Shank and go and call. And they, they're the best announced team in the business, honestly, or they were, who knows what that'll, what that'll be with him and Lee Diffie and Calvin fish. But I guess, uh, you know, colleague is the one owner that's out there right now that really has, the money and the and the the funding and all these other things going on where he's one of the only owners that's out there that's viable anymore that really is trying to compete and be elite. Uh, and by going and making three full-time teams, they are fully committed to trying to win this Xfinity championship. You know, they, they got to the final four last year. They've been in the final four before that uh, with Blake Cook years ago, I think. And, um, I think now the goal is win a championship, move on to cup, get one of them charters and move on to cup. We're probably with Justin Ailey, but I also think that AJ Elmeninger is like, Hey, you know, I'm still here and I can win. And he's and I think he feels like there's unfinished business in stock cars. You know, he, he put what probably would have been a championship winning IndyCar career to the side for the paychecks and to be in NASCAR. And he made a career for a while and he won one cup race. I think he wants to win a championship in NASCAR to validate the move, and it makes him an intriguing prospect uh, for the championship relative to all the younger talent in this series, including uh, defending series champion Austin Sindrick. So um, I'm surprised that he – I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. I felt like he was going to get the 10 car before they got Jeb Burton in there, um, but – Hey, it'll be at least the racing will be interesting, and they'll have at least one personality for sure out there uh, during interviews for uh, all of these races. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was surprising to me, Spencer. Um, it certainly was. You know, I, I was a lot like Philip. I thought Almondinger was a candidate for the ten, and I thought for sure when they were announcing the driver of the ten, it was going to be AJ Almondinger. And then when I saw Jeff there, I went. Okay, maybe AJ doesn't want to go full-time. But, you know, this is an interesting team because in the next couple of years, there's talk they're going to move to the Cup Series. And we all think it's going to be Justin Haley going to that ride uh, in the Cup Series. But maybe they'll, they have bigger aspirations and they want to start a Cup program with a, with, a, with a veteran Cup driver, and AJ wants to do that. I know he's got a lot of respect for Matt Kolig. I know he's got a lot of respect for Chris Rice, the general manager there. But what do you think their expectations are here for 2021? 
Do you see A.J. Allmendinger as a guy who can run for the championship? Uh, a lot more road course racing this year in both the Cup and Xfinity Series. Uh, I think that might have played into it a little bit. But what are your expectations for A.J. Allmendinger? I mean, he was a guy, when he started at Red Bull Racing about 10, 12 years ago, had a rough time, but then got a big-time ride over there at Team Penske after a couple of years at, at Richard Petty Motorsports. Got that 22 car at Team Penske. Then, uh, honestly, fell flat on his face after a really uh, interesting drug suspension and was able to sort of work his way back into a halfway decent team with the 47 at JTD Daughtery Racing. But, you know, openly admitted he was not having fun uh, running there and running mid-pack with JTG. So um, kind of surprising he decides to go full-time here just a year later, or two years later, I guess you can say. But what do you think his expectations are here um, for the uh, 2021 season for A.J. Allmendinger? couple things I'll touch on, but first, I think AJ is great for the sport. I think he has a great personality. He's fun. He's outgoing. He's always smiling. Um, he's great for TV, and he's one hell of a road course racer. I don't. If you don't think that AJ Allmendinger is a, is a great road course racer, then you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, and I think, Philip, you being a big road course guy, Clayton, you obviously know enough about him. I think we'd all sit here and agree that if uh, we were going road course racing and he was available, we'd try to find his phone number and call him up um but it doesn't really matter that there's a lot of road course racing on the schedule yeah they're trophy hunt but we saw this year look at briscoe you win all them races but you don't win the championship um but yes that's that's their goal and that's their hashtag that they always use is we're trophy hunt and they did that this year you know i thought aj did a good job in those in that race car he got a win in atlanta and a win at the charlotte roval um, and the pouring down rain. And so, you know, if he goes out there and, and I mean, we've seen him run well at Watkins Glen battling with Austin Cindric. So um, with all those road courses in the schedule, he could very well go out there and win all of them. I forget how many is in the Xfinity um, schedule this year, but, um, you know, I think he has a shot to go out and get the title. I don't think he's a bad race car driver, even on ovals. Um, I mean, he was with JTG daughter, as you mentioned, that's not the best team. And it's still not the best team. Um, now he's in good equipment, and I think he can go out there, win races, compete for a championship, and be smart. And I thought he was going to be in the ten car, but then I got to thinking, well, they're going to want to they're going to want to run it full time, um, and he wasn't looking for that time. So um, I think Jeb going over there to the ten car is another great hire. He's ran well with JRM, so I think that team has a lot going for him. And you know. They, Matt Colleg is great for the sport. Chris Rice does a good job over there. That team, I've been to the facility. I've been to the shop. It's very clean, big, and opened. Um, and they got a nice place over there in RCR campus. So um, that team's going to be a real contender for a lot of championships. And then there's rumors going to Cups. So they got a lot going on, and I think they got three good hungry drivers. And this could be redemption for AJ. Um, you know, you mentioned the drug test, you know, that happened a while back, got suspended, but. I think he's back. You know, he's racing Rolex at Daytona. Um, you know, he's doing these road course racing. He's an announcer for NBC. So he's uh, he's got a lot that he does, too, still in the sport. And um, I think this is good for him. And he, he's pop, he's going to have fun because he likes the team. They have a great relationship. And they're going to be fast. So um, I don't see a problem with the issue. And they're probably paying him really well. No doubt. Uh, he'll, AJ will turn 39 years old. Um here in December 16th here in a couple of weeks. So um, just just for people, and he certainly could rebound his cup career if he wants to 
but um, very interesting. Very, very interesting that he's going to go full-time next year. I know he won two races last year in Xfinity, but certainly interesting. Um, well, I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight. It was a special edition with Derek Cope coming on, discussing the 2021 Starcom Racing plans. We appreciate that. Great job, as always, from Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew, and we'll see you guys next week here. We'll do our Chevrolet report class next week that we've been kind of waiting on with David Reagan coming on the show and then Derek Cope tonight, but we'll do our Chevrolet report cards here next week, kind of wrap up the 2020 season, and then uh, once the new year comes around, we'll start previewing the 2021 season, discussing all the news and notes uh, that we have, and, and we get ready get ready to go for uh, Speed Weeks. A side note here, uh, just in case the people who missed it and thinking about maybe going to the Daytona 500, I know, Spencer, this probably doesn't affect you because you live there, but people like me, we go to the 500 every year. Uh, it looks like they're going to be limited capacity for the Daytona 500 next season. The uh, state of Florida and NASCAR announced here today. Um, but so, you know, my streak of going to every single Daytona 500 from two, since 2008 is in jeopardy big time. Um, but, you know, they have to stay safe here for the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, so if you were thinking about going to Daytona and you didn't see that announcement today, uh, check it out and, uh, you know, try and, and figure out plans to go to the 2022 Daytona 500 um, and in future Daytona 500 if you can go. It's certainly a tremendous event, something I'm going to miss. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, we have some tough times here. But um, I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles tonight, and we'll see you next time. Good night.